0: Well, good morning, Northside family. Good to be with you on this first day of winter. And uh, really excited as we wrap up our Join God series together as we've been stepping into everything. And, and the reason why the number 50 is on the screen is because this year we celebrate being Northside, the 50th year of being this church. And uh, I want to invite you next weekend as we kick off a six-week series called Setting the Table, uh, where we are going to be talking about where God is leading us over the next two years as we step into the next 50 years years that God has for us as a church. and We've been praying about this and planning about this and uh, I want to let you know, you know, for me, I'm one of those things If I understand life comes up, there's situations. Matter of fact, my youngest is six, so my family's at home this morning. But I want to just say, do everything you can to be here next weekend at one of the services as we launch this church-wide initiative together. It is going to be so exciting as we see what God has called us into. Matter of fact, we have a vision night. We've had three of these. This is our third one this Wednesday on the 22nd at 630. If you want to learn more, kind of get a sneak peek and uh, kind of get a leg up on what's going on and how you can be involved, we want to invite you this Wednesday to be a part of our vision night. Uh, but we're excited about what God is doing and this is simply the invitation of Jesus. He's just, he came to earth to say, I want you to join me. As a matter of fact, his first call to all of his disciples was simply this, just come and see. Just come and see who I am. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to come and see. You need to join me, and I will begin to unveil all that you need in your life. That's why when we talk about our mission here is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ, we say here's the three ways that Jesus wants you to connect with him. It's with him in Christ. It's in community, and it is with his calling on the church and in our life. Matter of fact, uh, I've gone back to the art board, all right? I'm a professional drawer here. And, uh, you know, again, we said last week, this is Chester Cheeto, all right? And uh, once you see it, you cannot unsee it. Uh, but this is the design of how we said, hey, the Jesus life is right here. And this is the calling that he's saying, I want you to join me. I want you to join the love that the Father has for you in Christ. I want you to join community to be a part of the church family. matter of fact, it was so cool to talk with Matthew and Justin backstage, and uh, they said, man, it made so much sense last weekend when we were talking about this, that God never asked us to follow him by ourselves. And here these guys are, they're going, we get to follow Jesus together. We don't have what it takes by ourselves. And so Jesus says, I want you to join me. I want you to be a part of the church community. But then here's the thing, we can't forget our calling to go into the world. This is God's calling for the church. And here's what happens. If all we do is love God and all we do is get in a life group, but we don't live our calling, here's what the church quickly becomes, an island. Now, here's the thing about an island. A deserted island is a cool place to visit. Palm trees, right? Beach, water, wow. It is a terrible place to live. And here's what happens with the church, and here's what has happened over the centuries with the church is this. Sometimes the church begins to operate like an island, and this is what they begin to think about. Well, I'm in church. I'm a good person. It's everybody outside the church that is lost. And hopefully, they will get their act together, and they will come to us. And it's the church that actually needs to be found. Because it's the church who is called to go into the world. It's the church's calling to be sent into the world. Matter of fact, this is why Jesus prayed this. And we talked about it last week in John 17. He says, Father, would you make them one? Would you bind the church together? Would you unite their hearts? This was Jesus' prayer request. But he doesn't say just so they could get along. What he says is this. So that they would go and let the world know that you have sent me. See, the reason why the church comes together, we worship, we get our hearts, we're going, God, we align our hearts, but then we go out into the world because this is our calling. This is what God has called us to. I began to read a little bit about this whole idea about people being trapped on islands and why it's a no good place to live. And uh, in 1915, I came across the story of Ernest Shackleton. And Ernest Shackleton in 1915 wanted to be the first person to cross the transcontinental uh, area, uh, the crossing on Antarctica. Talk about an island. And uh, he picked one of the biggest islands. And so Ernest Shackleton's dream was this. I'm going to cross the transcontinental crossing and so he, he took a crew of people, went south of South America, and started going through the transcontinental crossing, wanted to cross, be the first person to cross that in Antarctica. And here's what happened. He sent another crew to meet him on the other side of the continent because he knew, I can't make it on this continent by himself. And literally the name of this crew that he sent on the other side of the continent was called the Ross Sea Party which obviously is a clue. That's not gonna work, all right? And uh, matter of fact, I got a picture of the Ross Sea Party. This is the crew in 1915, and here's what happened. They they both go after Antarctica. At the top of Antarctica, Ernest begins to go through the transcontinental crossing. The Ross Sea Party, and here's the Ross Sea Party's job. They are to meet and drop food and provisions every 60 miles for Ernest Shackleton as he makes his way through. Here's the only problem. When the Ross Sea Party got there, the winds and the storms were so bad that literally it ripped their ship away from the dock and the ship was lost. But they had unloaded all of the food and provision. And so here on Antarctica, the Ross Sea Party continued on their calling and they dropped all the provisions every 60 miles until they realized we're just going to have to wait for Ernest. And so they built a hut and they lived in a hut for an entire year on an island. Finally, in 1917, they were rescued. And this is what happened. They came to him, they rescued him in the hut and they said, thank God you're here. And they said, we thought Ernest would be here first before you guys to come and rescue us. And then the rescuer said this, oh, you didn't hear? They said, you didn't hear what? Ernest's ship ran into ice and he never even began the journey across the transcontinental. You ever been there? Maybe not to Antarctica. But, man, you invest your whole life into something thinking there will be a return on the other side only to get no return. Man, sometimes that happens in our relationships. You invest an entire year. Maybe it's a business startup and and you invest tons of resources and tons of time only to not see the return that you put into it. Now, here's what's fascinating about this story. Ernest Shackleton went on to say what the Ross Sea Party did. They lost three men in the whole journey. But what he began to say is this. He goes, I have never seen a more display of courage and commitment to a calling in my lifetime. And what happens is this. It's our calling, and it was the calling on the Ross Sea Party that made them able to endure the harshest conditions they had ever faced in their life. See, our calling is so important because when things are going wrong in our life, we have to come back to going, what am I here for? Why am I here? See, this is what we need to understand, what we're going to look at the words of Jesus today is this, our calling is so important because it is our calling that sets our course. That when life gets crazy, when life gets nuts, your calling is what will keep you grounded and on the course. Sometimes it's going to be hard to love this world. Sometimes it's hard to love ourselves. But we got to remember the calling that Jesus gave us. Matter of fact, Jesus was so obsessed about this that one of the things he told the disciples, literally one of the last words that he told his disciples in Matthew 28 was their calling. He, he knew they were going to face incredibly hard times. He knew the church was going to face persecution. And he wanted to remind them of their calling. And if you don't know your calling in Jesus today, he clarifies this. And I want us to, to really hone in on this because if you feel adrift or lost at sea today, Jesus is going to call you back. And listen what he says in verse 18 to his disciples. He reminds them of their calling and he reminds you and I of our calling as followers of Jesus. He gathered them all together. This is after he'd gone to the cross. This is after he was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. He gathers all of his disciples together. And in verse 18 he says this. To the very end of the age Jesus' last thing that he tells his disciples is this here is your calling here is God's heart and calling on your life maybe you guys have never heard this before I'll be honest I grew up in the church and even though I heard this I actually didn't really understand it until I was about 24 years old And what happened was this. Sometimes we can read the words of Jesus and it can be a little confusing because there's four verbs here. It's like, make up your mind, Jesus. What do you want me to do? Right? And he says four things. He goes, I want you to go. And and, then he says this. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. And I want you to teach them. And it's like, well, what's the calling, Jesus? All right. Now we're going to do a little crowd participation here. All right. There's four verbs here. But what I didn't realize was this. Jesus focused on one primary verb out of the four and the other three support the one primary verb, all right? So think about those four for a second. Go, make, baptize, and teach. Now just think, just kind of a gut reaction in your mind. Think about what you, what do you think is the most dominant verb, all right? Show of hands real quick. How many people think the most dominant verb is to go, right? Hey, if we just stay here, the world's not coming to Christ, right? Right? Right, And we're going, yeah, that makes sense. we got, we got to go. How many people would say it's to make? Three of us. Okay, all right, you know. How many would say it's to baptize? Right. Yeah. Hey, we saw Matthew and Justin baptize in the name of the Father. How many people would say it's to teach? Hey, if we don't teach people, how are they going to follow? Right? Now, let me give you my answer. I grew up believing this. I believed that the primary verb was to go because I'm good at going right hey I, I can go we, we can go we can sign up on trips we can go we can do all sorts of stuff I didn't learn until I was 24 years old that the primary verb in this passage the primary calling on the church the primary calling on his disciples was this to make it's to make disciples right Steve you're the only one right you know there's a... <laughs> here's what's so neat about this passage we go how could it be to make disciples that sounds Like To make disciples, one, what does that even mean? We're going to unpack that. But why would he choose make? Here's why. I didn't realize this until I was about 24 years old. You know why? Because I can go. I can baptize. I can teach. But to make disciples, I have to do with Jesus. See, our calling, of this calling of joining God, is Jesus is calling his church to do what only we can do with him. And our calling as a church is to make disciples. This is why our mission of our church is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. Now, some of us, when we hear this call and we go, make disciples, Nate, that's not my job. That's your job, right? You're the pastor. You go do it. We're going to show up, right? We're going to sing a little bit for you or at least, you know, we're going to milly-vanilly it, right? So nobody hears me sing around us, right? I'll kind of act like I'm singing a little bit. And then Nate Go get them, right? We're behind you. No, 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 no. Jesus says all disciples everywhere, your calling, my calling is to go and make disciples. Now some of you are like, I should have rethought church this morning, right? You know, because where is And here's why. Here's what, a matter of fact, let me just back up. Here's what a disciple means. A disciple simply means this, that you and I are an apprentice of Jesus. That you and I are learning and watching Jesus and putting this into practice. Electricians have this phrase. They're called a journeyman. That if, you, if you're not a journeyman and you don't complete that, you don't get to become a, an electrician, right? Because you're going to hurt a lot of people. And the same way for you and I as a disciple of Jesus is this, that you and I would be an apprentice of Jesus, that you and I would follow him, we would emulate, we would do what he did. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 10, everybody had been following Jesus, everybody had been loving his teaching, and then he turns it on a dime and he says, now I'm sending you out to go share the world, me. And he's going, everybody was like, well, wait a second, Jesus, shouldn't you do that? And he says, no, 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 and this, this is how I love Eugene Peterson says this in the message translation. Listen to what he says in Matthew 10, verse 10. He says, listen, You don't need a lot of equipment. Some of us, we think we need everything, right, to go do this. You don't need a lot of equipment because you are God's equipment. You are the way that God wants to make disciples in this world. You are the way that God wants to reach the nations. See, too many times I have mission drift as a Christian, and I begin to limit my view, and I think, Uh, What it means to be a Christian is one, you just go to church, you you tithe, you give back to God, maybe you serve a little bit, and, and that's about it. Now, those are all good things, but at the end of the day, let's be honest, that feels like, isn't there supposed to be more than that? Is that all I'm supposed to do, is go to that building, be generous a little bit, maybe hold a door, and then go home and be a good person? Those are good things. The only thing is this. It's not our ultimate calling. Your calling and my calling is to invest our lives into those who do not know Jesus. And not only for us to do that, but it's to do this with Jesus. The question for you and I today is this Are you living in your calling? See, our calling begins to change the way we live. Our calling begins to change our priorities. Our calling begins to change our mindset. Our calling begins to see the world differently because we begin to see the world as Jesus sees the world. Now, some of you are like, Nate, I'm not even a disciple right now. I'm not even a follower of Jesus. How in the world do you want me to make disciples? Or maybe you've been a disciple for a while and you're going, I don't even know how to do this. This is why we just want to focus on one word. And here's what we're going to see that God's going to focus in is this. Jesus says this to him. He goes, I want you to go and I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. See, for you and I to begin to embrace our calling, it begins with obedience. That's all Jesus wants you and I to do today, is to take our next step of obedience. If you're not a follower yet, Your next step is to go, I need to begin to ask questions about what does it mean to be a follower? And if you have these answers, it's to begin to step into this relationship with Jesus. And it's begin to grow into that. Because if you notice in that passage, Jesus didn't tell the disciples and teach them to know everything I have commanded you. Because some of us say this, Nate, I can't make disciples because I don't know enough. I love what Mark Batterson says out at Washington, D.C. He's a, a pastor out there, and he says this. He goes, here's my belief. He said that the church is educated beyond obedience. And all we want to do is have another Bible study instead of actually live out our calling as the church. Jesus says for you and I to begin to take our next step of obedience to experience our calling. The question for all of us today is this, what's your next step of obedience? For all of us in this room, we have a different step. Some of us, and, and here's what we know, God is calling us to take a next step. And it's for you and I to step into that. And here's the beautiful thing that Jesus lays out in this passage is this. He calls you and I to join him in three very specific ways. He's not asking you to have this all figured out. He just goes, come on, man, be my apprentice right? Begin to follow me, begin to join me, and I will lead you into your calling. And his first thing is, he says this, here's the first area where you and I need to begin to take a step of obedience is this. It's to join him in his authority. Before he even says to go make disciples, listen what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, Since I have all power, since I have all authority, begin to make disciples. And what he's saying is this, I want you to recognize and to give me control over your life. Because here's what happens. If God isn't our control, this is what he knows. We're going to obey whatever has control over our life, aren't we? I I, I know this phrase well, and I've heard this talked about a lot. Uh, It's John Dahlberg Acton, and he said this in the 1800s. As he began to examine government, as he began to examine business leaders, as he began to examine everything, he says this. He said, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts what? Anybody remember? Absolutely. And here's what happens sometimes when we start throwing around that authority word, we're like, ooh, I don't know about giving control to Jesus, right? I don't know about him having all authority. In that, you know, we know how Enron went, I don't know. We know how Bernie Madoff went. I don't, ooh, I don't know. Except here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus has an authority that is different than any authority in this world. And what he's saying is this. When we give him control, here's what happens. Sometimes we don't want to give God control, right? Because we like to have control. But here's what he says is what happens. He goes, when we give him control of our life, when we give him the authority over our life, here's what ends up happening. We actually gain power in our life. You actually begin to gain power by the Holy Spirit to overcome what you can't overcome by yourself. When you begin to give God control over your life and say, God, I want you to live in me. I want your ways to be my ways. What happens is we begin to step into everything. Matter of fact, listen what it says in John chapter 13. I find this interesting. When Jesus knew that he had all power, listen what it says in John chapter 13. It said, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew he was the most powerful man on earth on his last night on earth. And listen what happened and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. You know, what are you going to do when you're Thanos, right? You know, and you've got all the stones, you're all powerful, you know this stuff. Listen what Jesus does. He got up from the meal with his disciples, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he goes on to wash his disciples' feet. The most powerful man on the face of the earth decides To wash the feet of those on the earth. Jesus' authority and his leadership is so different than this world. See, this is why Jesus is saying, I want you to join me. Before you step into your calling, I just want you to join me and understand the power and the way and the life that I want to give into you. Because then he says this, since all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of all nations. Begin to step into what I have. Too many times we believe this. I just don't have what it takes to share Jesus with anybody. One of the things that I love, the stories that are starting to come back is is a lot of people in the church are beginning to embrace their calling here to go, oh, it's not just the staff's job here at Northside to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. It's my job. One of the coolest stories, that two cool stories that have come up, one is this, uh, my buddy, his daughter's on a travel volleyball league, you know, and you travel all the time with those travel ball leagues and all this other stuff, and here's what he realized, him and his wife realized this, wait, we're spending like every weekend with these people, why am I not investing into them? And so he goes, I'm just going to take a step. And he goes, I just took a wild shot. And he goes, and I just invited some parents. He goes, hey, I'm going to watch my church's live stream service at 1130. Anybody want to join me? And he was waiting for crickets. And some people were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And he goes, here we are at a volleyball tournament. You know, got 160 courts out there. We're having church. I'm like, praise God, right? You know, it's one of those moments where we're going, wait, God wants to make disciples everywhere. And it's not just Here, it's of all nations. This is why tomorrow we're going to celebrate, remember, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Because he lived out this calling that God is for all nations. He was to defend the oppressed. We are to be people to step up and to defend the oppressed. To step up for those who don't have a voice. Matter of fact, I found this stat interesting. I remembered this in 2016. I read this article, and I know there's a lot of conflict and a lot of things going on right now in Iran, but I came across this article in 2016, and I saw this picture, and I was blown away because in Iran right now, Iran is the fastest-growing underground church in the world. Do you know that? See, this is God saying, I have all authority, I have all power, governments can kind of keep me out, you can do whatever, you cannot overcome the authority of Jesus. He will reach all nations. He will begin to work. Matter of fact, last night after a sermon, uh, there's been a new guy, who has been coming to our church, sweet guy. Super friendly. He came up to me afterwards. He'd only been coming since Christmas. And I could tell he's got an ethnic background. He came up to me last night after the service. He goes, you mentioned my country in your sermon. I said, Antarctica? And I uh, like, <laughs> I didn't even know there was any, I didn't know there was anything there. And he said, no. And I began to think a little bit more. I said, I ran? He said, yes. He said, I fled there a number of years ago because I was literally put in prison for my faith. And he said, and I came here, I'm a U.S. citizen now, I'm going to school here, and I just stopped, and I said, how are you here at church? You know how I he got here? He goes, my advisor at the university said, do you have a church home? No. And she invited me to come here. And he said, what's that journey thing you guys talk about? I said, it's going on right now. Went to the journey last night. And here's what happens. When you and I begin to align our lives with the authority of Jesus, we begin to see the world as Jesus sees the world. And we begin to go into this world with the power that you and I don't have because it's the power and the authority of Jesus. And he's going, here's how you make disciples. You just join me. You step in the life that I have for you, and you will begin to see all these things change. But Jesus, after that, says this, I want you to go and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, which means this. Jesus says, I don't want you just to join my authority. Jesus says, I want you to join my identity. That when you and I get baptized, when Matthew and Justin got baptized today, what they were saying is this, I am aligning my life with Jesus, Jesus is now my identity. I'm immersing myself into the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now they had a really neat baptism. I remember when I got baptized when I was 10, uh, I went there and we had a private little ceremony because we had so many family coming in. And and I remember uh, as soon as I stepped into the baptistry, uh, the the heater was broken, and uh, except it was broken in the wrong way. It didn't go ice cold, it went boiling hot. And uh, my dad, anybody remember back in the days when pastors would do baptisms and they would wear waders into the water? And my dad had got in so he couldn't even feel the heat of the water. So he's standing in there. I have all my family around. I'm a pastor's kid. I take one step into the baptistry and I just yell out, I can't do this. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, the pa- one of the pastor's kids can't get baptized. How embarrassing. Let's just talk them into the kingdom and just do it for your parents. No, I couldn't literally step in. They start dumping cold water in the baptistry. Literally, I got baptized like a chicken nugget. They put me on the front of the baptistry. I didn't walk into it. They just grabbed me and went boom, boom, and just threw me out. Just threw me out. It's not about perfect baptisms, Right? Baptism is about a perfect person that we are identifying and aligning our life to. I remember I got a Bible from my children's pastor when I got baptized, and he highlighted and wrote in the front of the Bible Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And this is what he wanted me to remember. He wanted me to remember, Nate, your baptism is not a finish line. Nate, your baptism is a starting line. It's a starting line of immersing yourself in to learning more about who the Holy Spirit is, to learning more about who you are in Christ. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter two, verse 20. This is what Paul writes about his life in Christ. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. I know it's not me, it is Christ. But he said, but Christ lives in me. And then he goes on to say this, and so now the life I live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God. And here's who the Son of God is who loved me and gave Himself for me. Is that what you believe about Jesus? See, if you don't believe that Jesus loves you and has given Himself for you, you need a new identity. See, this is when he says to baptize people, literally, yes, we baptize people, but it is the culmination of people recognizing I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. It is his grace because he loves me and he gave himself for me. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, at Jesus' baptism, God can't stand it. He's a proud dad, like at a little league game. And he says, the scripture says, he rips open heaven at Jesus' baptism. And he says this, he says, you are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. You're my son, whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. See, this is our identity in Jesus. That when we give our life to Christ, when he makes us new, our heavenly father looks at us and he goes, You are my son or daughter, whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. I love how Chris Hodges says this. He says there's three things here that's so important for us to understand. When when God says this about Jesus, he says there's three things here. He says there's acceptance. You're my son. He said there's affection whom I love. And there's affirmation. And with you, I am well pleased. And let's be honest. Isn't that what our hearts desire? Whether you're a follower of Jesus here today or not, we long for acceptance. We long for affection. We long for affirmation. And there when we place our life and our faith in Jesus, we get all of it. You're my son or daughter whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. I think a lot of the times, you know, the reasons why I didn't share Jesus growing up is this. I really didn't believe that he loved me. Or this is what I believed: God only loved me when I was good. Matter of fact, my senior year of high school was the only year I played basketball. It's because there was no cuts. But uh, (laughs) this was the faulty thinking I had in my mind. Seriously, if I was good during the week, I would score more points. If I was good, kept the cussing to a minimum. Let's not act bad. Let's not treat people bad. And then if I'm good, God's going to reward me. I didn't understand the fullness of my identity in Jesus. You are my son whom I love. And with you I am well pleased. God said that about Jesus before he did any miracle. I love you, Jesus, before you do anything. He loves you before you take any steps of obedience. He loves. This is why we join him. He loves us in our brokenness, and he calls us to himself, and he goes, I have a better way for you to live. I have a better step for you to take. This is why he goes on to say this. So go and teach others to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. Always, what he's saying is this, as you begin to join me in my power that I have for you and you begin to live identity in me, here's what's gonna happen. Start pouring that out into others. Start teaching others to obey. And and here's the thing, this is what we know, isn't it? None of us are looking for a hero. What we're looking in life is this, we're looking for a guide. We're looking for someone to come alongside of us and go, here's how you're gonna make it through life. Let me come alongside and support you. We're not looking for anybody to come into our life, one or another, to go, hey, it's all about me. Let me tell you. Let me be the expert. No, we're going, would you come alongside and help me? Matter of fact, just think about your favorite teacher for a moment. Could be a favorite coach. Could be a parent that you go, man, they they were my favorite. And here's what we know about our favorite teachers in our life. It's not just that they knew the answer. It's that they cared about us And it was the combination of knowing answers but even caring about us, probably even more, to say, I want you to know this. And what Jesus is saying is this, would you align with me, would you live in my identity for you, and would you begin to go invest that into the world? Would you begin to go and teach? Would you begin to go and guide? Would you begin to come alongside folks who don't understand their calling, who don't understand the way of Jesus and what he's done? And then he gives us this promise, which is so great, and it's not on you because I am going to be with you the whole of every moment. You don't have to do any of this by yourself. All you have to do is this, just join me. Just join God. And I will begin to do a work in your life that you could not do by yourself. What Jesus is calling us to join is this. He's calling us to join his generosity to this world. He's saying, join my authority. Begin to live with my power in your life. And then to begin to live in my identity. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So the life I live, I now live by faith in the one who loves me and gave himself for me. And then here's what happens. Out of that love that has been invested in us, we get to become generous to this world. That Jesus is saying, this is your calling. Even when the world doesn't want us want it, man, we begin to step into it. The only thing is this. This is what I know about my calling that God's put on my life and about us. Here's what's happening about it. We're either delaying or we're obeying. We're either delaying or we're obeying God's calling on our life. Matter of fact, this is my guess for everyone probably in this room. Every one of us in this room, we probably already know what we need to do, don't we? We probably know there's that person we we already need to forgive. We know for some of us we go, yeah, man, I tell you, Nate, I've heard this over and over again. I know the Great Commission. The only thing is this, I'm not investing my life into anyone else. Maybe for some of you, you're going, I know I need to begin to ask the questions about what does it mean to follow Jesus and who is Jesus? I've just never asked the question. Some of you, you know who Jesus is. You've just never taken the step of baptism. And God is saying, I'm calling you to just simply join me. Just take your next step of obedience. Matter of fact, this is what we wanna do. We've created just something small. If you're going, hey, I know I need to take my next step of obedience. I might not know everything of what that looks like. We've created just a simple step for you to take. Uh, this is just a, a tool that we wanna to create to help you grow in your obedience, to just join God, and it's simply this. If, and if you can text the word OBEY to 41411 that we did for the prayer sign up. If you wanna take your phone out. I know we don't say that very much in church. And what we did is this, we just created a simple little page of some next steps of obedience, no matter where you are. Because this is what we know, our calling is about stepping in to what God has for us next. That's where our calling is. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Northside, God is calling us to no longer delay, but simply obey. And what would it look like for us as a church if all of us, all of us just took our simple next step Of obedience what would the church begin to look like what would our community begin to look like what would your home what would your neighborhood what would your travel ball circuit look like if all of us stepped in to God's calling let me pray for us and we'll join him father thank you for rocking our mind today about the clarity of your calling on our life Father, we know there's a bunch of ways that we've grown up in church, not in church, relationship with you, not a relationship with you. And, Father, all of us, all of us have missed the boat. But, Father, we thank you that you come after us. We thank you that you've come to rescue us. And we thank you that, God, you have given us a calling bigger than ourselves. And so, Jesus, I pray for us as your church today that God, we would begin to wrestle with you about what is next for all of us, what step it is that you have us to take. Father, by your grace and your mercy, would we begin to join you in what you have for us next and trust you with whatever the result is. And Jesus, we thank you for your promise. That it's not about just us obeying you. It is about you being with us the whole of every moment. So, Father, we love you. We lift our hearts and we lift our lives to you today. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. Let's join him this weekend. We'll see you next weekend as we kick off our vision together, everybody. God bless you.